The Youthscape Podcast. We planned that, and, and, it, and it worked well. Right, well, hello, and welcome to the Youthscape podcast again. Uh, it is summertime. You are already picturing yourself on a beach somewhere, whether that be in Thailand. Or Skegness. Or Skegness. Um, we, hope, we hope you have a bit of uh, you time yeah. lined up over the summer months. Uh, you know, it is kind of important. I don't know, do you do a kind of enforced holiday each year, Rach? Yeah, we do. Kind of between festivals, though. So, because I kind of used to say, oh, well, I'm taking the young people on, but they can be for a week. Yeah, That's a holiday. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how many years in a row I tried to convince myself of that. By the end by the end of it, nightmare, no. So, but definitely. But then it's difficult because do you go beforehand because you want to get your young people there, so you need to kind of be present. Mm. Do you go after when actually the fallout of everything that's happened? Mm. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. So, I think now I have to take school holidays. Yeah. I, uh, I try and squeeze it around. So, where are you guys going somewhere? I think we are. I I, um, I made a, a, a sort of decision a few years ago on the advice of Wise Jill Rowe. She's one of those people who, who, whose name we do need to get Wise Jill Rowe on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm attempting the sort of Donald Trump uh, oh. version of like saying a, a, a word before someone's name yes. to imply, like lying Hillary Clinton, you okay. know how that works. Yes. So Wise Jill Rowe. Yeah. Um, and uh, she said to me uh, a few years ago, you've got to take a full two-week holiday. Mm-hmm. Just carve out a fortnight with your family, uh, where it's just, and you turn off your mobile, or you turn off your work emails, whatever, and I've done that for the last five or six years, and it's been absolutely transformational, because I find that I properly recharge my batteries, and even those years, which have been a few of those, when I really haven't been able to afford to get away, or we've had to rely on the generosity of kind people giving us somewhere to stay for a week, or whatever, just taking the actual time off work and, and deciding not to work for a full two weeks in a, in a row like that. Excellent. It's, re- it's a really important discipline. And the reason why is because we ju- it takes us about four days for our brains yes. to properly wind yes, down our work down, mode. Yeah. So if you're only taking a week at a time, then by the time you've, you've got to the end of your sort of four days of winding down, you're winding up again because you know work's only around the corner. So uh, I don't actually know where we're going, but well, we'll go somewhere. I think that is great. And I, would, I would concur with my learned friend. Because I think the first few days of holiday, I am moody. And, mm. and and that tends to be the time when my lovely husband, who I tend to go on holiday with, tends to disappear for a day and says, go and find a stranger on a bench like some old women and just hang out with them for the day. And I remember before I was a mummy, I, uh, we went on this holiday and uh, Jason, my husband, decided to go off walking in the mountains because he needs to recharge his soul without me being around, obviously. Wow. Whereas I need to recharge my soul with people. So I got on a bus in Kendall sat next to two old men in their 90s. I said, what are you guys doing today? They said, oh, we're going on like this bus tour. We have our lunch in the hills. I said, can I join you for the day? So I spent the day with these two old boys. How old were these men? In their 90s. It was great. I was in my 20s. It was hilarious. I, it was I, brilliant. I, I it was just, like, I, I, I was introduced to Saga early. So I'm looking forward to Saga holidays. Can I just say that? I love it. <laughs> you know, are, sometimes you say things I literally don't know how to respond. <laughs> It was fine. It was all good. It was um. It was all good. So anyway, so definitely recharge your batteries. Go on holiday. Go and stay in Martin's house because he's going away for two whole weeks. So his house will be empty. I didn't say that. <laughs> but make sure you get some time. That is such wise thinking. But talking about words and wise Jill Rowe, we're going to play our word game now. Yes, we are. Brilliant. So, have we got the word for the day? Word. 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 
word. So today's word is what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> right, I think I know that one straight off. I'm glad we've been handed that on a piece of paper. So it's what you say. Oh, sorry. I'm just, I'm just yeah, checking something. Just, what have you done? My broken producer Rachel. <laughs> just snapped. Okay, so I think I think this is a trick. Okay. I think it's too obvious that this means what are you saying? Right? I don't yeah. believe it, it. It doesn't mean that. <laughs> We know from these yes. kids, they trick us week yes, after week. Yes, they do. Okay? <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It means something else. What you're saying doesn't mean what are you saying. It means there's a kid with a spoon on a motorbike. It means something. <laughs> Don't? Okay, look. <laughs> with biscuits. Uh, that's what I mean. Are you? Why? <laughs> why would you bring no, Sorry, Martin. I really want to hear what you think. Tell me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it means... i tell you what it means. It means... Um, if uh, two elderly gentlemen in their 90s invite you to spend a day with them on a bus tour, Great. that is uh, not a good thing to do. You okay. say no oh, to that. Okay. Oh, so right. if, so I, think, I think it means look, a, a vehement no. It means a vehement no. So oh, if, if, what yeah, are you saying? What are you saying? So if an elderly gentleman ah. says to you, hello, young lady, would you like to come to a place I like to have lunch up in the mountains? <laughs> it was actually me saying... I would like to come on this saga tour. Right. So I was fully in control of that situation. Well, but either yeah. way, okay, either whoever way. was asked that question, whether it was you or the elderly men being approached by a strange young lady, the answer is definitely what you're saying to mean absolutely okay. not. <laughs> okay, you've made a good case. Because I was going to say it is, what, what are you saying? But I think you're right. The context is... What are you saying? Like, what's, the pro- what's, what's your problem? What's your problem? You think it's... I think it's like, what's your problem? What, why have you got a problem with this? Okay. So, what is the answer? And so the word means, how are you doing? It's that simple. It's like, hey, Matt, what are you saying? It means, how are you doing? Yeah. That it doesn't, doesn't, no, make, it doesn't make sense, make sense. to me at all. Luton, what's going on? That's, although, is that when you, when you walked up to the two old men? Did you say, <laughs> hey, what are you saying? That's why they paid my fish and chip lunch. There we go. So we've just learned something new. Yes, we have. So we've, we've learned a few things, haven't we? Few things. Please stay safe, everybody. Please don't do what I do. But it was fun. It was fun. The Youthscape Podcast. Basically, a while ago, I got in the car and I drove from London all the way down to Exeter and I interviewed my lovely friend, Paul Friend, no pun intended, um, outside Brunel Manor. We stood on the steps, didn't we, Paul, in the, in the lovely sunshine? Yeah, it was very nice. It was a lovely moment. I asked you lots of questions and I recorded it on my phone. Did it record? No. I'm guessing not. It did not record. So now we have asked Paul to come all the way from Exeter to Luton so that producer Rachel can press record <laughs> and we can capture all your goodness. So Paul, welcome. Can we just check this is recording? <laughs> yeah, t- testing. <laughs> testing, recording. one, two, okay. one, two. Sorry. Welcome, <laughs> so, Paul. <laughs> Paul, you are so welcome. Tell us in a nutshell, what is it? Who are you, love? Where do you come from? What do you do? <laughs> so I head up Swim, which is Southwest Youth Ministries, and basically our... Our vision is that every child and young person across the whole of the Southwest would encounter Jesus for themselves, come to know him, and make a choice to live for more. So we use Live For More as our like, tagline, and it's basically three-pronged. One, it's, it's to this generation to say you can live for more, kind of John 10.10 stuff. 
also it's a kind of call to ourselves involved in swim to not just settle for where we are but to live for more of God in our lives and not to settle for where we are in ministry either but for, to go for more and then finally it's a kind of prophetic call to local churches in the southwest to say you can live for more than just maintenance you can live for more community transformation and stuff like that so and I think, I mean, that's a slight masterclass in vision sharing, isn't it, right oh, there? Yeah, I was, I, mean, just, I was ready to give my life. <laughs> I was ready to work for Swim, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing about, when, when I came down, I came down to one of your weeks where you're training all your teams and you've got volunteers coming in from outside, you've got local church leaders. There's something about the way that you do your training model in the Southwest that really does respond to specific needs of specific groups. You have your degree qualification don't you which is done with Morelands that's right yeah and then you have your sort of gap year students so, yeah so probably oh, 10 12 years ago when we were starting to explore kind of degree level training up till that point we'd done kind of gap year and diplomas and stuff like that and when everyone else was looking at degree level youth ministry training we we started asking the question well what do we want to do so we looked at various options but the big thing that we just became aware of was everything in terms of degree level was chucking people straight into kind of youth ministry degree strategy and heavy theology and we made a decision at that point that we did want to go there in terms of degree level stuff but we wanted to do something first so we created something called Be Transformed which is based on Romans 12 and it's basically a year of personal discipleship alongside practical youth and children's work skills and the real reason behind doing that was we were finding everyone who was coming into youth ministry or children's ministry were coming in green, they were coming in not asking the big strategy questions, but asking, how do I do an assembly? How do I lead a discipleship group? How do I do those things? But also coming in kind of biblical literacy all time low, but also carrying stuff from family, relationships, different issues that actually... We wanted to give space for them to work through with God um, without it being all a theological head exercise. So really our first year is about getting everyone on a level playing field and it all being about character and heart. That Then we use that as a springboard for further training. Um, so we do run a second year option that's more vocational if people don't want to go down the degree route. And then we have, I guess, a wider part of the swim family, people who have graduated, people who move into the region, who want to connect to something bigger. And we see ourselves very much as a, as a family rather than a training organisation. We always say we're not a training organisation, we're a missional movement um, who happen to do training as part of what we do. So, Wow. So and I've been along to some of your training as well, um, when a speaker obviously cancelled at the last minute. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but but, um, I think I booked you 18 no, you months did, yeah, in advance, right. yeah. uh, but, uh, don't, don't write him, honestly. <laughs> you have got this amazing uh, group of people. It's quite a big group of yeah. people. So there were, there were probably about 70 or 80 people gathered for this sort of week together of just you investing in, in them. Um, and so, uh, quite a few of them I remember from not from the UK, so have come to swim from outside. Yeah, that, I guess a few years ago that was definitely a big thing. Um, probably 10 years ago we were, we were probably 25-30% international. Um, now it's much more so, at the moment we've got about 60 trainees who are with us full-time all the time whilst out in placements, but then wider team and staff and everything else. 
Um, and now we've probably only got five to ten who are international. Uh, some of that's to do with visas, you know, a few years ago where it all tightened up. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Brexit? We have, uh, we've got some some people from Germany, Poland, places like that. Uh, so yeah, so where do those sixty uh, trainees? I mean, it's really exciting that you've got sixty uh, uh, young men and women being inspired, trained, but also given a bit of biblical input, a bit of biblical literacy, character formation. They're all going to end. Are they all going to end up in youth ministry? Is that the hope? Yeah, that is the hope. Um, at the moment, so we've been. We're basically a regional campus of Moorlands in terms of the degree stuff that, that uh, we run with them. Um, and at the moment, 100% of our guys are stepping into um, full-time or part-time salary children or youth ministry posts. So that at the moment, that looks like being the same again for this year. Most of, Interestingly, about half of our guys, when they graduate, end up staying where they trained. So mm. church or organisational schools project or whatever it is, then say we'd love to have you for four which years. Which is great. Say, it is really which great. is a win for us. Um, Can I ask Paul, were they churches that were already employing youth workers or is this the way into them then employing a youth worker? Uh, a bit of both. Yeah, like, a wow, bit of both. Amazing. But quite often it might be the case where they started off with a trainee because they weren't sure they could afford to get salary. They, they, the, ministry, the youth ministry has grown to a level where they're going, we now absolutely need to... I was in a, probably one of the most rural places last night, which is a place called Black Dog, which is hard to imagine that's actually a place. But it Black is. Dog? Black Dog. Um, in the middle of Mid-Devon, very rural community. And they've had a trainee for two and a half years, a local girl, farmer's daughter, um, mainly doing predominantly children and family stuff in the primary school. Stuff is just kicking off left, right, and centre. Oh, and they, we were meeting last night. I was taking them through some vision and strategy stuff, helping them to think through why they're thinking of employing it and what are expectations and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but they're at that point where they're going, well, we've started and this thing's growing and we've got to grow with it, so we need to get more funding. We need That's to really happen. That's so, incredible. Wow, so, yeah. And you, you see a lot of kind of different things happen across Zoom because one of the most interesting things is the diversity of it. Because of the diversity of the Southwest, uh, you know, almost no two placements will look the same, will they? Absolutely. How do you therefore manage a movement that where everything looks slightly different? Um, it means it has to, for us, it has to be local church owned and local church vision because the, you know, we've got everything from inner city Bristol to really rural Black Dog to Black Dog and really rural Cornwall got a guy from originally from Oxford who's about to graduate and be then given a job on the lizard where he has to walk for 10 minutes to get phone signal wow to get out of his community to get some signal so it's really rural um so for us it's we can't impose that because they know the community better than we do mm. so actually what we can do is come and bring some expertise some suggestions some wisdom from other places but then say what's what's you know your community, what's God stirring you to do here? How can we bring some stuff to the table and help you see that happen? So we don't kind of have a, um, a kind of centre model where, you know, swim-branded stuff and all that kind of stuff. It's about equipping local church to serve their community where they are, whatever that community looks like. And sometimes that's really rural with more sheep than people. And sometimes that's, you know, urban and everything that goes with that. So... Our passion is the region, 
and therefore that means everything in it. And so I'm particularly passionate about rural because a lot of the southwest mm. is rural. Yeah. I'll leave them a lot of the UK is rural, isn't it? It's not just the southwest. I think we often think in terms of city-centric stuff, but actually huge swathes of the UK people listening to this saying, actually, that's my community too. Yeah, I, you know, Cornwall is one of the most deprived counties in the country, but it doesn't get a lot of shouting about because the population isn't as high. But because you're going on holiday there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And it seems beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it is beautiful. Yeah. Like, right now, hey, yeah, I'd yeah. like to be there. But, yeah. but actually, in terms of youth unemployment and, yeah. and issues around young people, it's huge. So, yeah, passionate about equipping church to be relevant and to be making a difference with, yes, the young people that, come down for holiday, but more importantly, the young people that are there 24-7. Mm. Although when I was in Cornwall recently, I, uh, I I did, I stopped at a petrol station and bought some bits and the guy behind the counter said, oh, you down, are you across from England? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that, that's yeah, a thing? Oh, yeah, it's a, a, oh, it's a thing. big thing. It's a bit about crossing the Tamar. It's all about crossing wow. the Tamar. Yeah, they like to be independent, really, but, um, <laughs> but you know... I'm a Devon boy, so I have to be careful what I'm saying. Very political, again. <laughs> well, when I, I, when I came to that infamous trip down to Brunel and didn't press record, uh, what really struck me um, is the way that you raise up leaders from within churches in Cornwall and Devon. And there are young people who move into the area because they love swim, they know your brilliant reputation. But everyone I think I spoke to were local teenagers in a local village. And I, and I just think... There's something about that model that I find so powerful. I think I've always really worked in big city contexts where there's a huge transient community and people come and go and they come in from outside. And, and yet somehow you guys have managed to really sow a vision across the southwest about youth ministry. And churches are raising up young people. But even before they get to you, they're being raised up as leaders, mm. aren't they? So mm. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. What can we learn from the rural context? I think... There was almost some strategic moves a few years ago where there were so many options for gap years and training stuff. You know, go back 10 years, a like, yeah. ridiculous amount of options for people. And I, there's still, you know, loads of churches doing internships, different denominational options. So we just kind of made a, a call. Actually, it's mu- it works so much better when people already know the context, where they already have contacts, and then you release them to just get on with it. So... So we kind of made a concerted effort that actually we wanted to have, at that point we probably had yeah, 25-30% international loads from out of area. And we said we would love it to be 75% local. Um, people who God's calling or raising up to make a difference where they are. Um, and so, so we, we put all of our effort into, into not advertising nationally as much, but advertising more within the region. But also, that was the birth of a, a partnership with Urban Saints to run a, a year of mentoring into leadership for young teens, which we run called Rise Up, which um, we've run across the region as a kind of tool for local churches to get their young people raised up in leadership when they're 13, 14, 15, with the hope that when they get to 18, they're already doing it, and then they can get involved with us if they want to, and if that's right, some go here, they're everywhere. But... Um, but yeah, as someone from the southwest, I'm really passionate about seeing people not just scarper off somewhere else, but actually, if God's putting a call on their life, why not work it out here, where where you know the context and 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 you get the setting, particularly rural. Um, we get a lot of people apply from across the country who they nearly always say, "I really want to be in a city because that's what I'm used to," 
And if you place someone who's used to a city into the middle of a rural community, it is really hard. It's really isolating. And, and expression of church might be different as well. So to have local people who get it, um, that excites me. Although it's still good to have externals come in for sure. Right, so uh, Paul, I really, before you go, I really want to hear some stories about Martin because you guys go back a long way. We're and good I friends. think he stayed in your house. So Several must, times. Yeah. I talked on a previous episode about how we didn't have any money and good friends gave us houses to stay in for holidays. And Paul Friend is the good uh, friend. Is, is actually, there's a really funny story I've just remembered about this. Uh, so, Paul Friend is the. Um, uh, is, is sat next to you. Is the friend? Yeah. How do you not say the word friend? Is the buddy who uh, who gave us his house to stay in a couple of times in a lovely place uh, in Devon. So uh, so I'm still grateful for that. But um, there was a bit of an issue afterwards. I told you about this. You texted me while I was away. No no, this is a different story. Oh, this is a different, this is a different okay. story. Okay. So uh, so when we came back from um, a holiday with you, it was a, a couple of months later. And my son, Samuel, who was about three at the time, um, I said, what did you do this week, Samuel? Because I knew he'd been at home with his mummy and I'd been at work and we hadn't had much time together. We were walking along with, his, with the rest of the family. And he said, oh, I, I, I was playing at, uh, at home with, uh, with Zachary in Zachary's room. And of course, you've got a Zachary, haven't you? Well, of course, yeah. we have a Zachary as well. And, and so I didn't realise, of course, that he would be in any way talking about you. And then he said, yeah, um, was with um, was with mummy was with um, her friend Paul upstairs, and I said I said what? <laughs> I said yeah, I was in Zachary's room, and mummy's with her friend Paul upstairs, and I was like her friend Paul. Anyway, long story short, it turns out he was flashing back to that I hope the time <laughs> when we'd stayed at Paul friend's house, and he'd had a lot of fun in Zachary's room there, where there were lots of toys. While mummy slept upstairs. As it turned out, all a great big glorious misunderstanding. But, but while he was with, while he was at our oh, house, we were, in, we were actually in Cornwall on holiday. Oh, yeah. And I got this text and assumed it was going to be, you oh, know, we've locked ourselves well out or, or something. And, and he, the text said, Paul, you've got the most incredible youth ministry library up, up in the Yeah, you've got like every book ever. And, and so he said, but one thing's made me incredibly uncomfortable. And that's the fact that you have none of mine. <gasps> so your one is interrupted by Mr. Not one of my books. Not one. He did promise to. I sent one. you three ones before, <laughs> so you had yeah, three they, copies. They must have been in the swim library. I sure. think they were given because they were so good. They, 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 so were good. they made it out of my home. I don't want to make it come across like I'm some prima donna who reads <laughs> people who don't have copies of my books on their shelves. <laughs> but but I'd sent you copies. So, listener, if you have had a phone call from Martin while you're on holiday and he's been somehow secretly in your office checking your book list, then do get in touch. We would love to hear how far flung this paranoia is. That's what we're going to find. Oh, you've loved that, haven't you? That. After really so many that. weeks. I'm rubbing my knees yeah, in the lead. You finally yeah, got something. something. Finally. So, uh, Paul, it's been lovely having you. Thank you so much. You can now go back to Exeter <laughs> with our love. But, uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, get ready for more wonderful and overexposure of Martin's holiday stories next week. The Youthscape podcast is always free, but if you'd like to support us, find us on patreon.com slash youthscape.
it is summertime, you are already picturing yourself on a beach somewhere, whether that be in Thailand. Or Skegness. Or Skegness. 